Welcome to Transformational Healing with your host, Dr. Bonnie Morrow. There are a variety of techniques for hands-on healing that can help you move closer to your vision of good health. In our program, we discuss both the business and science of dealing with different aspects of the healthy community with specialists in various energy practices. Now, here is Dr. Bonnie Morrow. Hi, welcome to Transformational Healing. We're so glad you're here today. It's a beautiful day in Houston, Texas. Um, And our guest is uh, Alice Percy Strauss. She's on the line, but just let me ask her quickly. Alice, we go around the world. Is there any place that you'd like to say hello to? Sure. I'd like to have a say hello to people in Japan and Germany, Israel. Um, actually, everywhere. It's wherever they need to hear this, and um, I wish them the best. All righty. Thanks for that. All righty. You've heard her voice. Her name is Alice Percy Strauss, and we are indeed lucky to have her today. Alice, would you please introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure. Um, My background is in yoga. I've had over 35 years of of practicing yoga, teaching yoga, and working as a yoga therapist. Through all of my years of working in yoga, I became very involved in meditation and consciousness living. Um, I have lived in other countries, and when I was in each country, I learned several different forms of healing work. So my work that I'm, the work that I'm doing presently is, is a synthesis of all of um, the experiences and the trainings that I've had. Um, right now, I'm working basically with um, conscious energy psychology, and that deals with working more with the mental, emotional, and spiritual realms of each person, as well as inclusive of their symptoms, whatever symptoms they may be experiencing. And symptoms aren't normally, I mean, we normally consider them simply physical, headaches, backaches, um, serious illness. But the way that um, I work with my stuff, my information, is through the um, synthesis of meditation, Eastern psychology, yoga philosophy, um, acupressure, um, shiatsu, and the meridians that belong to the acupressure and the acupuncture world, um, because each meridian is connected energetically to a specific organ, and each of those organs carry an Eastern healing, Eastern medicine, um, carry a specific emotion. So I work with people um, identifying the balance within those meridians so that I can then identify for them, if they're not certain, of the emotions that they kind of have difficulty dealing with or processing or working with or even maybe just perhaps denying. So when I work with them, I test their energy meridians and then get an idea of which emotions are stuck or ignored. Um, It's sometimes even overused, like anger. And then I do a uh, chakra analysis. I work with the chakras as well because each of the seven main chakras um, deal with life lessons, if you will, or life teachings that we're all supposed to be growing through and learning about as we live in a human body with a spirit and soul inside. Can um, you tell us some more on that? That fascinates me. The life uh-huh. lessons from the chakras? 
yeah, each of the chakras have many life lessons. And uh, in, in my book, I mention probably 15 to 20 of the different life lessons in each of the chakras. There are more, but for the, the um, space in the book, I just took the main 15 or so or 20 um, lessons that we're, we're supposed to be learning as spiritually evolving beings. When I work with people to do healing, I, whether I do acupressure on them or reflexology or any kind of physical body work, I don't um, ignore the emotional and the life teachings that they're supposed to be working through. So I, and that, when I do body work, not simply a body worker, there's always that inclusion of emotionality and spirituality. And then the accountability of each person to work through those issues with my guidance, of course, um, right. not simply on their own, but how to work through them so that they can get to the other end of it and then have become more insightful and more self-aware, more self-assured, and more confident in moving about their life. So, that's, And I also use the aura. Um, that's where I get some of my most intuitive symbolic uh, symbols if you will. So I combined the information from the aura with the meridian testing to find the emotion or emotions, and then I check the chakras. So if someone comes to my office, comes to me and says, I, I'm not really sure why I'm depressed, I, I can't figure it out, or I'm having financial problems or relationship problems, I will gather these energy information insights and then pinpoint exactly what it is that's happening. Not because I'm so brilliant. It's because their body, with usually physical symptoms, are telling me exactly where they're stuck emotionally, spiritually, and again, of course, on their life lessons, what they're trying to perhaps unconsciously not do because it's scary or threatening or different, challenging to their status quo, their established status quo. So I kind of use what I call the triune energy system, the aura, meridians, and chakras, to gain information about where they've been energetically stuck or injured, and then we go from there. Wow. So is your information channeled at all, or do you uh, intuit? I, you I, I never thought about it being channeled. I, it's just, um, I think that on some form, though, it is channeled in the sense that all the information that we humans have and continue to explore and identify has already been out there spiritually and emotionally and uh, on a humanistic, holistic realm, energetically. It's already out there. We're just picking it up and redoing it and, and uh, for each center, each generation. So I, in a way, it probably is channeled, but as far as me sensing some particular entity or spirit, I, I don't have that connection, that, that immediate connection. So, and I think a lot of it is intuitive. I, I sort of step away from my ideas of what I suspect or experience with the new student or client and like an empty straw, just allow their energy to come into my head or sometimes I call it jumping into their head and um, pick up information that um, is relevant to their life and from there we... we start doing the evaluation and then we start doing the actual work of getting them through their concerns, whatever uh-huh. they may be. 
So uh, you said earlier that you had lived outside the, the United States. So where have you lived? Yeah, we lived in Australia and um, Japan, Korea, uh, Germany. So, and we visited, you know, um, many places throughout those those days, those working uh, days that we had in those foreign uh, countries. And that's where I learned a lot of my um, skills, skills that I've combined synergistically. To Were you I, able I to um, find teachers in all those places? Yeah, and if I couldn't, I, I, I uh, you know, read or I had translations of books for me. So, yeah, I usually kind of, when I went to each new country, I usually would... Um, find like-minded people and from there, whether they were national, so like the Japanese national people, friends that I had, or German, and then they would lead me to um, places to study or people to study with. But a lot of it was, um, while I was overseas anyway, um, self-study. Uh-huh. Because I didn't have, uh, sometimes I didn't have teachers, so, and I just always wanted to study. I had this very deep urge and desire to learn more about um, the mind, but not so much in the Western field of, of mind um, work, more in the Eastern, because that's always been a draw for me, I suppose, because my mother, being Japanese, and uh, that more Eastern philosophy in my life, my life environment. So um, it's always been a little bit more toward the Eastern than the Western when I think about mental health and mental healing um, work. Right. I, I agree with you, you know, but um, we do live in the Western world with the Western medicine, so, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right. you know, if we can blend the two, I think it's probably better rather than putting somebody out on the street corner saying, I don't believe in medicine, you know, uh-uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and, and there's nothing wrong with Western medicine. I mean, there's a reason for that. If your arm has been severed by some kind of awful car accident or something severe like that, you know, that's what our doctors are for. They put you back together again. I also believe that allopathic Western medicine is very good, excellent at diagnosing. They've studied the body and anatomy and the pathology of it, so they're very, very good at diagnosing. Once it's been diagnosed, then you can continue on with allopathic um, treatments, whether that be drugs or surgery. Um, very often, many people that I know have been stepped aside once the diagnosis is certain and done a lot of things on their own to heal themselves. However, the ones that have healed themselves without too much direction from the allopathic side have been very much uh, aware and interested in healing the core energy and spiritual emotional issues that caused their body to become imbalanced in the first place. Because I'm very much about, from all the countries I've lived in, um, and all the studies that I have under my belt, I'm extremely strong in the sense of mind and body working intimately together. So if one's out of whack, the other one's going to get out of whack. Yeah, yep. so you have to have both. You can't just, you can, I mean, we do heal simply just the body, um, but the body, in my experience with my students and my clients and my own, my own personal life, you can heal it for a little bit of time, but it'll come back again if you're not touching that which causes the energy to become malfunctioning in the first place, which is unprocessed emotions, um, denied emotions. You may not even be sure that you're denying it. But there's something always deep inside that causes the energy 
to be out of whack, and then therefore the body follows suit. So the mind is what goes into exploring all of that, and then of course the brain, which is the simple the organ. The mind hasn't got a materialistic sense about it or being, but the brain, which is material, then takes on the nervous system and the chemicals, and the body um, organs have their own chemicals that they produce. So then everything starts to either heal. Everything is either in the healing realm or in the diseasement, which means the symptomology in the physical body realm. That's the, you know that's how I go about my work and my teachings. I think that is absolutely correct. So, uh, and you are going to be the keynote speaker at the Healing Touch Seminar in California Symposium. Is that right? Yes, um, starting April, for the weekend of April 9th and 10th. Mm-hmm. Oh, I wished I could be there, but I, we well, were there I'll a couple of years ago. I'll be addressing, um, my topic will be my, my backbone of all the work that I do, because I do many, many different kinds of workshops. I work with leadership, you know, corporate leadership. I um, work with individuals. I work with smaller companies. I work with um, groups, you know, groups of women or groups of um different groups, and um, I have lots of workshops, for instance, like on uh, conscious money, conscious parenting, conscious relationships, conscious intuition, because there's a difference between, in my mind, uh, between intuition and intuitive intelligence. Intuition is simply, um, it, it's, it's, well, intuition is sort of a soft, subtle, kind of movable, pliable form of knowing that we get, and it's real clean and it's real sharp. However, we often just sort of overlook it or don't want the responsibility or just sort of pacify or we're busy and we don't utilize it. Intuitive intelligence is more insistent, solid, and urgent. And um, it's it's composed of several different layers of intuition. Now, if you combine them all quickly, the the more you tap into your intuition and follow it, the stronger you become into the sense of intuitive intelligence, which incorporates energy intelligence, like the um, or meridians and chakras, cellular intelligence, um, meaning that this, each cell has a sort of chemistry that is like a mini brain, has a memory, and has the chemistry of in, intuition in it. Um, sensory intelligence, the five senses. Emotional intelligence, like recognizing um, what you're feeling and sensing why it's there when you're working with someone or for yourself intuitively. Mental intelligence, um, soul intelligence, which is thoughts and ideas planning, soul intelligence, which is like the sacred wisdom that's inherent in all of us, and cosmic intelligence, which is the universal wisdom of cooperation and consciousness. Now, when you're very practiced in using your intuition, you become, every day, every time that you use it and you're trusted and rely on it, you start tapping into more of the intuitive intelligence, which includes all those, those seven other energy senses, which makes you feel directed to act on it. You can't ignore it. When you're working with your intuitive intelligence, covering all parts of your being intelligently and intuitively, it's insistent, it's solid, it's urgent. Where intuition, when you get a hit, you're driving down the road, you get a hit about, oh, maybe I should stop at TJ Maxx and pick up a new pair of shoes or something because I sense it's going to be the perfect pair for the party I'm going to on Saturday. But then you have a stoplight and another thought comes and you sort of ignore it and go home. So that's intuition. It comes and it goes and it's always there, always there for us 24 hours a day, even in our dreams. 
it's always there, but it's soft and it's subtle and we can let it go. But when you're tapping into, and the more, again, accustomed you are to using your intuition, the more fully you use all parts of the intuition and then it becomes, when I say urgent, I don't mean like a crisis. It just means it's pushing, it's strong. You just can't, you can't, you just know you have to go to TJ Maxx. Yeah, you can't ignore it, can you? You can't ignore it, yes, because you can't ignore it. We always do our intuition. But when it's, when you're combining the intuition in the sense of combining all of your intelligences in your body, now you can't ignore it. Now you're right. sort of forced to driven. Right. So I have all kinds of classes I teach, but my basic backbone is the conscious energy psychology. And um, that includes learning more about consciousness, which is being aware and alert and awake to everything that's happening to you, both mentally, what are you thinking, and how are you feeling about it, so that you know how to respond best in each situation and to be a deep listener when you're listening to someone. The second would be like, um, let's see, the, well, consciousness is first when you're working with energy psychology and energy, which is the source of life. And again, going back into the triune energies, the aura, meridians, and chakras, spiritual development. Um, there's seven, seven layers to conscious energy psychology or seven steps if you're going to be practicing it or working with it. So the third is spiritual development, and that includes the sacred, what I call the sacred seven C's, and that's connection, um, both with yourself and the person you're with, cooperation, courage to hear what they have to say, compassion when they're saying it, choice and how you're going to respond or react, consciousness means that you're really clicking in with your intuitive intelligence and really know what they're saying underneath their words or what is not being said. And then the seventh, which is a sense of commitment and contentment to to working with them. This is this is if you were working with energy psychology as a healer. So there's again consciousness, energy, spiritual development, spiritual psychology, which is looking at symptom origination or spiritual pathology. Where did all if you have a symptom that you're coming to me with, where did this all begin? Can I go deeper than just well I'm getting a divorce or I've lost my job? Can I go deeper into how this all began? Where was the mindset and the emotional patterning and the behaviors that caused, you know, each step that we take during each day bringing us to our future? So what in the past caused us to be in this future where you're feeling very concerned or very disruptive about right now? That's the fourth. The fifth was, was again, um, looking, being aware of um, your warning systems. That's the... the, the the symptomology, again, what's happening with your life, either physically or financially, relationally, um, looking at the warning signs that you had, and then the intuition, the subtle thoughts, well, I think I sort of felt this way long ago when it started, and now it's here, and then um, helping them to tap into their intuitive intelligence so that they can garner all all the levels of information that's going on inside of us constantly, 24 hours a day, every moment of every day that we can tap into that we sort of forget to tap into because we're so busy. So, and then I work a lot with meditation because through meditation, you are not just simply quieting the mind and healing the body and and triggering a stronger immune system. More than that, you're actually looking at because you're by yourself, you're in your head by yourself. You can see who you are you've been. So if, and what I call dark side of the soul, if those moments of dark side of the soul pop up in your quiet meditation, no one can see it, it's just yours, but you can see where your 
fail in your own spirit, where you're stumbling, where you're stepping over your spirit and causing yourself your own harm later on. So to me, meditation is very much about becoming very, very keenly self-aware. Yes, we've had uh, guests on the show that have really talked about meditation and why it's good and how to do it and so forth. So let's take a quick break, and when we come back, let's identify the life challenges that have been the most difficult to move and grow through. Okay, sure. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. Dr. Bonnie Morrow's passion is to make healing available in every home around the world. You can find out more about Healing Touch classes available wherever you are. Dr. Bonnie is here to share her knowledge and expertise in energy medicine as both a teacher and facilitator. To use Healing Touch for those you love, contact Healing Touch Texas for a class schedule. You can contact Dr. Bonnie via email at HealingTouchTX at AOL.com or visit the website at transformational-healing.org. Step by step, you made it through the journey of pregnancy. Now your baby is in your arms and you're on the cusp of a new journey, breastfeeding. As a new parent, you receive a lot of advice, much of it conflicting, some of it outdated. Tune into Born to be Breastfed with host Marie Biancuso to bust through the myths about feeding your baby. Marie and her guests will help you figure out what you can expect and put you on the best and surest path on your breastfeeding journey. Listen every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Transformational Healing. To reach Dr. Bonnie Morrow or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to HealingTouchTX at AOL.com. Now, back to Transformational Healing. Hi, and welcome back. This is Dr. Bonnie. I'm so glad you're with us today. I hope you have a cup of tea and you're relaxing and listening to our show. So today, our speaker or our founder is uh, Alice Percy Strauss, and she has been talking about conscious energy psychology. Can you tell us, um, before we went to break, we were going to identify the life challenges that have been most difficult to move and grow through. Can you help us with that? Sure, I will try. Uh, I'll do my best. Um, So are you talking, are you addressing perhaps some of the life challenges I've had or just in general? Whichever one you want to talk about. I think I'll talk about general because, yeah, no one's interested in, I mean, they are, but um, I think I'll talk about it in general because it's more specific than um, I think the, the listeners will get a better idea about what the chakras are. The chakras are, for those of you that don't know or may not know, their vortex is a spinning 
spiraling energy that rests deep in the body cavity. Um, you can't feel them or anything or see them, but they rest deep in the body cavity, pretty close back toward the spinal column. And there are seven of them, and the first one starts a couple of inches below the perineum, below the where the body, the legs, and the body meet, and that's called the root chakra. And um, there are lots of things connected to the root chakra, senses and smell and taste and all that. But what I think we're really looking at today is you can pick up a book on the chakras and learn most of that. Um, what we're looking at today, then, is more the life challenges and issues that are incorporated energetically into each of those energy centers, and they spiral all the time, and they're for us all the time to be used. They're like a energetic encyclopedia or Wikipedia, if you will, all kinds of information, all beneficial. And the root chakra, the first chakra, deals with a sense of survival, like just having a roof over your head and having a place to live and and having uh, some sort of financial income. You know some kind of money is coming in. You can buy food and water. It also deals with um, the family of origin, your parents, your siblings, your grandparents, so your family of origin. Um, it deals with the sense of safety, deals with issues of death, whether the death is physical or the death of some part of your life that no longer um, is valuable or suddenly taken away like a job or a home or a relationship. Um, but the, the real challenges are more um, inclusive of working to find a sense of stability and groundedness in your sense of safety in, in two ways, especially the family that you've come from, all the all the expectations, all the religious doctrine. If you had any, all the the family morals or all the workings that you received um, about your life and who you're supposed to be and what's expected of you. That's the, one of the biggest, hardest challenges for people to get through in the root chakra because it's from there. And the root chakra deals with the ages from birth to seven years old. So it's from there that we gain our personality. We gain the ability to feel safe in the world or not. And if we don't as a toddler, an infant and a toddler, we start to act in certain ways that are um, either expected of us in order to get along with the family, the siblings and the parents. It's either expected of us or we create it on our own because we don't know, we don't have any direction. So that's where a lot of our core issues in adulthood still reside. So when I work with people, it's very often um, if they tell me I'm coming to you because I don't know what to do about it. I just lost my job. I'm having a financial crisis right now. I'll work with that. But then what have they learned about money? Who taught them about money? What was it about money that either they're frivolous with it or they hoard it or a combination of both? What, what was it? So when I go back with people to their childhood, it's never about blaming the parents or the caretakers ever. It's about simply seeing what you were taught or what you learned to teach on your, to yourself on your own if you didn't have great mentoring. And just, just to go back and see how all this began so that now that I'm 35 or 50 or 60 or whatever, I, I see that I'm still working with that. It's still not perfect. I don't know where that, where that came from. So if we go back, it's not to blame. It's just simply to get information about how you learned a specific way of looking at life that causes you to behave or look at things in, in certain ways that may not be, as an adult, good for you anymore. 
So we start with the root chakra. And then the second chakra, the sacral chakra, rests between the pubic area, the pubic bone in women, and around the, in the navel, the belly button. And um, that deals with now going from once you feel safe and you've got a family that you can rely on and they make you feel safe in your chakra from seven from zero to seven. Now you're going from seven to fourteen, and you're learning all kinds of things about individuation, which means not being an individual necessarily and separating from the family, but but being individual. Individuation means you're 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 claiming who you are, your own personality, your own being, and yet still being of and with the family. You're not necessarily separating from the family, but you're trying to find your own. Right from seven to fourteen, we're all trying to find who we are. So that's, true. that's that preteen, that preteen area. And those, that time of life, the second chakra is spinning really well because now, even between 7 and 14, now you're having your periods. If you're a girl, boys are going through, we're both going through, both male and female are going through puberty. You're learning all things about um, one-to-one relationships between you and your parents or you and your girlfriend or boyfriend, you and your teachers. So that now comes from a whole bunch of people in your clans on the root chakra. Now to the second chakra, where you're now dealing with one-to-one relationships. And it deals with now the paper money, the actual having money in your pocket. How do you create the money um, jobs? It, it deals with um, standing on your own, going from the root chakra where people are taking care of you to now being a little bit more independent and taking care of some things that you can. Um, it deals with learning about sex and sexuality and sensuality and the difference between sensual, sensuality and sexuality. It deals with control issues, having too much control, not enough in your life. Um, it deals with, you know, again, partnerships. Um, it deals with the emotions of um, feeling overly responsible or not responsible enough. It deals with justice um, and emotional safety. We're going from the, the root chakra, which is about physical safety, now to emotional safety. How well do you feel? Um, how much safety do you feel you have in your environment at home? Um, things like that, power struggles, um, you know, looking at the expectations from the family, is it something you feel comfortable with? Because now you're starting to individuate a little bit. So a lot of those things are going on there. From the second chakra, we go from there to um, the next seven years, and that deals all, that's the third chakra, uh, just a couple of inches above your navel to right around the mid-rib cage area. That's the, that's the third chakra area, and that deals with specifically self-confidence, self-esteem, self-awareness, self-education, self-discipline, self-willpower, all the self. So we're going from the clan with the root chakra to now learning about one-to-one relationships and how we deal with them, how we feel with, about them, as well as still being um, solid in our sense of individuality, to the third chakra, which is now all of our lessons. How do you deal with things? How do you, um, are you courageous? Can you be, can you stand on your own more? Because again, it's going from 14 to 21. So now we're starting to be young adults and we're going through all those lessons, and some of those lessons um, are um, sort of like the self-intellect and self-awareness, again, self-esteem, self-confidence, self-respect, which is a big one, personal responsibility for your own sense of self, your own education, um, honor, accountability for what you think, oh, so-and-so hurt me, so now I have this in my life. It's sort of about not blaming, but looking at your part in that. So the third chakra is a really big, big energy area where a lot of people get stuck. Now, remember, in each of the chakras, they belong to certain body systems. The root chakra are more with the skeletal system, and, and the second chakra more with this, the um, 
create a system like the organs, the sexual organs. And so wherever those chakras, those seven chakras reside, the area, all the organs and body systems that rest in those areas that vibrate in that chakra area can be affected. So if you always have stomach ache, you automatically know you're, you're stuck in some form of life lessons in the third chakra because the stomach is encased in the third chakra. Or if you have kidney infections, those are in the third chakra as well. It's in the center of your body. Um, that deals with fear. So that's the meridian, the uh, emotional meridian of the kidney sphere. So then we'll move on to the fourth chakra. Now the fourth chakra is the bridge that gaps bottom three chakras, which are learning about sort of survival and safety and how, how are you with yourself? Are you self-aware? Are you, you know, educating yourself? Are you responsible to the fourth chakra? The fourth chakra is where we process everything. This is when we're starting to learn and grow. And here's another seven years. So you're now into your mid to late 20s, and now you're really out of the world. You're finished with schooling or whatever education you had, and you're kind of living your own life for after you've been married by now. Um, so the fourth chakra is the bridge between the bottom three and the top three. And not to misunderstand that the bottom three are bad or not good or they're the kind of the bad ones and the top three are all spiritual and all holy and all whatever. All of them are important, equally important. You can't become spiritual if you haven't been through your, your issues with your family from your root chakra, the bottom chakra. So they all work together in a synchronistic kind of um, synergistic both synchronistically, meaning all happens together for a reason, and um, synergistically, where one is better than, I mean, more is better than the one when you combine certain things. So the fourth chakra is about um, sort of experiencing joylessness. I'm, I'm saying some of the negative things. Um, joy, joylessness, love, and hate, the cross between, or the struggle between love, uh, love and hate, sorry. Um, it deals with grief and loss and how you deal with those things. Because by now you've had some losses. When you're 25, 26, 27, you've experienced that in your life, whether it be a human being or a job or a girlfriend or a boyfriend. Um, it deals with working with bitterness and meanness and loneliness and feelings of isolation and um, as well as peace and contentment. But I like to, when I work with people, I like to draw out the more negative parts of each of those chakras are the life lessons because um, if we're enjoying, we're doing everything correctly, spiritually speaking, we don't have any symptoms. There's nothing to really look at right now or be aware of. It's when we're falling apart and we're kind of stepping off the spiritual path that these symptoms come in into our lives. They arrive in our life and usually very shockingly in surprising ways. So I like to address the more negative side of things, if you will, I'd like. You know, I don't really like to talk about negative and positive because everything is equal, so all what we do with it. But in our society, we think about positive or negative. And then from the fourth chakra, we move up to the fifth chakra. And that's the biggest thing that I would say about the fifth chakra, and that comes up, um, well, the fourth chakra, again, it's in the, it's the top of the chest, above the navel, um, from the, I'm sorry, from about the midrib cage to your collarbone. That's all the fourth chakra, and that's where the heart and the lungs and the bronchial tubes and all of that, your arms and your hands um, reside, the energy of those, those parts of your body. So if your hands are sore, you've got arthritis in your arms, or you've hurt your elbow, or you've got um, chest pain, or you've got um, some kind of breast problems or whatever, that all comes from the lessons that we're not 
knowing we're supposed to, we're not conscious of learning through in the fourth chakra. And the fourth chakra, again, deals with the sense of joylessness or unforgiveness, things like that that we're supposed to be doing in a heartfelt way as we develop and as we evolve spiritually. So from the fourth chakra, which is the bridge, the processing area, now we go to the bottom of the, the top three chakras, which is the throat. The biggest one for me in that it is about communication because now that's around the jaw area, from your jaw up to right around the, the bottom of the nose. That's the fifth chakra area. It encases your neck as well. So if you have stiff neck or stiff neck problems or jaw problems or teeth problems, um, that's, that's the energy that's kind of going out of, out of balance. And the lessons in the fifth chakra are about Choice. Choice. And that said, it's choice about whether we want to look at ourselves honestly, because that fifth chakra is where we look at ourselves honestly. Not the pretenses or the, the, the daughter of or the sister of or the titles and the, the characteristics that we have with those titles. Not the boss of or the whatever, but who we really are and how we really react or respond to things in life and other people. This is where we look at ourselves honestly and truthfully um, in the fifth chakra. And it's a choice. We either do or we don't. And so that's why choice is a big part of that communication, of course, because we speak with our mouth. Um, and so, you know, how we communicate. The way we speak to people, the tone of our voices, immediately, even if they spoke a different language and didn't understand English, they would know by the tone of our voice and just the way our mouth was expressing things they would sense and know if we're angry or sad or joyful or just neutral. So the mouth has a big, that fifth chakra has a big energy out into the world. Well, they all do, but this one's really big because this is where we introduce ourselves and we present ourselves to people. But even if you were mute and couldn't speak, had no ability to speak, just the way that you would move your jaw or your mouth or whatever, people can sense. But what, what, um, even if they're not recognizing they're sensing it, they are sensing something. They are sensing something from what you're saying. So this, that fifth shock was really a big one about choice. Choice and who you want to be, who you, what you want to represent of yourself, defensiveness or neutrality or happiness, whatever that is, that's the, the area of choice. And then we move and, well, let me just say some of the, the challenges for the fifth chakra would be actually emotional and physical addiction, um, willpower, self-expression, um, of course, honesty and integrity. What else would be? Criticism and judgment. I'm just from the top of my head remembering all this um, stubbornness or stoicism. Um, let's see. The way you express yourself, express expression skills. Um, <clears throat> the choice to ask for what you need or not, because some people don't like to ask for what they need. Um, that's an area of humility as well. Um, ego and pride, judgment, criticism, all that is part of the, the fifth chakra. Then we move on to the sixth chakra. How much time have yeah. we got? Uh, Alice, can we uh, hold off till for the third and the crown chakra till after break? Sure. I was just looking at the class, but I'm thinking it's about time for break, yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's time for a break. <laughs> okay.
Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Dr. Bonnie Morrow's passion is to make healing available in every home around the world. You can find out more about Healing Touch classes available wherever you are. Dr. Bonnie is here to share her knowledge and expertise in energy medicine as both a teacher and facilitator. To use Healing Touch for those you love, contact Healing Touch Texas for a class schedule. You can contact Dr. Bonnie via email at HealingTouchTX at AOL.com or visit the website at transformational-healing.org. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Your life, your health, your network. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Transformational Healing. To reach Dr. Bonnie Morrow or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to HealingTouchTX at AOL.com. Now, back to Transformational Healing. Hi, welcome back. This is Dr. Bonnie, and today we are talking to Alice. Sorry. Alice Percy Strauss. Strauss, yes. I... It's difficult for me to remember your middle name. Is that well, your... Okay if you don't remember it. Just, say, just call me Alice. It doesn't matter. Okay. Alice. Okay. We mm-hmm. were talking about the chakras and their physical dysfunctions and their life lessons. So I think mm-hmm. we were up to the third chakra, uh, sixth chakra. The, uh... Yes. Yes. All righty. And then remember... Yeah, that's the the sixth chakra is the third eye chakra between your eyebrows, up from your between your around the eyebrows, um, up to up to like the almost the top of your skull. Um, and remember that those that area deals with um, the ears and the head for headaches and eye problems or whatever. All those those symptoms that may happen in that sixth chakra area come when the sixth chakra life challenges. Some part of the life challenges or lessons are, are being ignored or we're not conscious of. So the, uh, like a lot of people ask about migraines or headaches and that comes from the sixth chakra. Uh, that area deals with the life lessons of, um, sort of like a fight that we have with ourselves between intuitive thinking and intuitive intelligence and rational thinking, I should, I better, I have to. So many, many people who have migraines, mostly women, are constantly, they're not conscious of it, but are constantly, I should, I better, I have to, but I really want to do this, but I better, I have response, I better, better do it over here. So it's kind of like a constant battle. So literally, the blood vessels close down, and the brain doesn't get as much blood and oxygen, so that's where the headache comes from. So the idea of sort of relaxing 
a bit and being more open and expanded in your thinking about things and going more where you feel you need to do to go. I mean, um, that's more spiritually evolving your beingness on this planet. That's where you need to go more intuitively. But we do need to have our rational thinking too. Rationality means I get up and go to work. You know, I have to pay the bills. So you, you have to have a blend of both. You just can't have one, the right brain as opposed to the left brain. Neither one of those hemispheres, the, the, the two different ways of being in our brain, in our head, in our existence, they're not supposed to be fighting each other, but often we do. So listening to the intuition when it comes and following it and trusting it, trusting it. And then other times when we're not getting those intuitive hits, when it's just daily work and daily our routine, doing it, making sure they're completed, making sure that everything is done the way it needs to be done to our best of our ability so we don't feel guilty so we don't have remorse later on. So that all that kind of stuff is going on in that sixth chakra area. Um, so it does deal with a lot of emotional and mental balance. Um, you know, the balance between over-rational thinking and just being airy-fairy and always being flighty and not worrying about things and just sort of being airy-fairy, if I can use that term, where you're not being very responsible and accountable for your life. Right. So it's very much about using both parts of the brain and um, both the, the mind and the spiritual information as well, intuitive information on the sixth chakra. Then from there, we move up to um, um, the, the crown chakra, which is just a, a two or three inches above the head, basically. And um, each of the chakras has their own color, of course, and that one is basically white, or some people like to call it indigo. And the life lessons there are, um, it's our willingness to either accept the overall picture, there is a greater scheme for life, there is a, um, some kind of entity or energy out there that helps us and guides us and that taught, tells us what to do, that just sort of helps and guides us and inspires us. Um, the cross between that and then having a sense of helplessness or hopelessness. So whenever we have a symptom, again, it doesn't have to be physical, but often it is relationship, financial, social, whatever. Whenever we have a symptom, something wrong is going on in our life and we feel uncomfortable, discomforted by it, we have to check the chakras because one or two of those life lessons that I've mentioned so far, and I just only mentioned just a few of the many in each chakra, will jump out at you and then you're going, your intuition will say, that's it, that's what I'm stuck in, that's what I'm not willing to look at or do or let go of or, or, or whatever to make my life more spiritually grounded. Because in every human life, our, our most important work is to develop between the time we're born and the time we die, doesn't matter which, what age, birth and death, to become more and more spiritually mature, spiritually evolved. That is our job. This isn't about finding the perfect job, becoming rich, finding the perfect partner, having the greatest kids, having a lot of pleasure and leisure um, or intellect, writing the book or a mathematical equation. It isn't, those are just parts that make our life interesting as a human being. But our biggest work is to become evolvingly, continually into our enlightenment in each life, if you accept more than one life. If not, in this life, that's what we're supposed to be doing, developing our potential to its greatest and greatest and greatest peak. Uh, say that one more time. Our greatest lesson in, in every human life is to be 
spiritually, well, willing to be spiritually evolving. So by the time we're born and the time that we're leaving this earth in the physical body, we have gained insight about ourselves so that we are much more neutral with people. We don't have prejudices and biases. We know right from wrong. We are willing to say yes and no, especially no if it's not right for us, that we are strong enough to say no to make our boundaries, that we've lived a life that we can say we're proud of. So when we take our last breath, we don't have any feelings of I should have, I could have, I wanted to but didn't, or I'm still not forgiving someone, I still haven't let that go, I still haven't, I still have resentment. So we go out of this physical body in a very easy, um, easy manner. I mean, until we actually face the moment of our death, you know, there's always going to be some trepidation. However, it's about being easy with it. So we have no regrets and no remorse. That's true. That is absolutely true. Now, are we talking about basically a 14-year block with each chakra? Seven. Seven. Oh, okay. So the crown chakra is what years? Um, Well, let's see now. Um, So I haven't, I'm not good at math. So the first one is zero to seven, seven to 14, 14 to 21, 21 to 28. So the next one would be 28 and seven would be. um, 35. Yes, 36, I think. Yeah. And then from 36 to, oh, shoot. um, 36 to. 42, and then 42 to 48, okay? So once we hit the crown chakra, we're about 48, around there, okay? Give or take a few years because everyone develops differently. So once we get into that late 40s, early 50-ish, now it's supposed to be on a spiritual path. Our children are grown. They're on their own. Now we have just ourselves or just ourselves if we're single. Now our responsibility is to really get busy becoming more spiritually grounded, spiritually safe because we know what to do spiritually mature because we trust ourselves first and foremost instead of waiting on someone else's opinion to tell us how to live and how to feel and how to do. Because so often when we're growing up, if somebody likes us, then we feel better. We feel validated. So into our late 40s, early 50s, that's when the shift really starts to take place. Is that the return of the Saturn? I don't know about that. I don't know. I'm sorry, I don't. No, no. What does okay. that mean? What does that mean? Well, uh, when the Saturn returns in your life, it's sort of a uh, a midlife crisis, or um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's about the time. Normally, in your in your mid to late forties, where you're starting to change, because life up until now has been like sometimes good as far as financial, but even people that I work with that are very, very wealthy and very educated, very educated. Many of my clients are very wealthy here where I live, they, they are happy inside. They don't feel like they've had a meaningful life. Yes, now at 40 or 50, they're saying, okay, I did it all, if they were successful, even popular, even like movie stars. Okay, I'm there. I've got it. But I'm yep. something so empty. That's where meaning comes into our life. That's where skillful living, being authentically compassionate, not, not foolishly compassionate, but authentically compassion. That means saying yes and no when it needs to be said. So all those things start to come into play now. 
finding uh, finding something that you can do to be of service to humanity. The reason we're supposed to be developing as spiritual beings until we take our last breath is so that we all become so balanced within ourselves that we are willing to make the world that we're living in a more peaceful and joyful place. It's about helping everybody else to evolve spiritually. To have that nirvana or that whatever kind of what you call, some people might call heaven, to have that eventually on this earth because we are capable of that. We haven't done it yet, but we are very capable of it because we have moments of it. When you see some, somebody needing help and you, and you give them a helping hand and your heart just feels so so full and so helpful, not because you're giving something back to you, but because you're so glad to have been of help there in that moment for that person. Those are moments of nirvana and enlightenment. And that's what we're supposed to be striving towards. So by the time we take our last breath, we've had so many of those. We can leave this plane peacefully, easily. Again, not willingly. No one wants to go willingly. But easily, peacefully. I agree. Uh, Alice, do we have time to talk about the um, meridians? Yes, I'm going to, I've got, uh, let's see, let me look at my book right here real quickly. Um, yeah, I've got a list of them all. So we're going to start with the lungs. The lung meridian, your lungs, where you breathe, okay, the respiratory system, deals with grief and loss. So I'm telling you the emotions and the mental state that each, each organ deals with. The large intestine deals with repressed emotions. You're not letting go of them, the ones that are no longer good for you. Large intestine, repressed emotions are holding on. Stomach meridian, anxiety, nervousness, right? When you're giving a speech, your stomach goes all flittery and floppy and everything because you're anxious. So that's a stomach meridian. Spleen meridian, controlling emotions, a sense of control of yourself and your life and your emotions. And I don't mean control where you're not expressing yourself, but that you have an even balance of control. So the spleen deals with control, you're controlling your emotions. Um... Well, in a good way. Heart, joylessness, small intestine, obsessive thinking, not being obsessive physically, like washing your hands, obsessive thinking. You get up in the morning and you're thinking about, oh my gosh, and you go to bed at night, you go, oh, I'm thinking the same thing. Oh my gosh, it's always about money or relationships, whatever that is. So the small intestine always deals with obsessive thinking. Can can I hardly let it go? Kidney, fear, but usually fear of repeating a past trauma, not just fear in general, like the fear of water or the fear of flying or some kind of problem like that. Um, the TV deals with the fear, but mostly fear of repeating a past trauma. Bladder, guilt, blame, shame, humiliation, that kind of thing. So especially women who have bladder issues or whatever, it's because we're carrying a lot of guilt for people, for other people or for ourselves, shame, blame, humiliation. Pericardium, which is um, the covering of the heart, the actual covering of the heart. It's a hard, very um, tough fiber to protect the heart itself. The pericardium is protective or defensive emotion. The triple warmer is, it isn't really a, a, an organ, but it sort of like uh, keeps our body temperature. That's with stoicism or stubbornness. So if you have a neck pain, you're being overly stoic out of an ideal or belief system or just plain stubborn. You're not flexible. Liver meridian, anger or rage. Gallbladder is um, 
uh, resentment and the conception vessel, which runs down the front of the body, down by the nose, all the way down the center of your chest. Um, the front is conception vessel, indecision, always being indecisive, and the governing vessel is monkey mind, what we call in yoga the monkey mind. Can't stop your thinking, you just can't stop, it's just going constantly, it's exhausting you. So that's the monkey mind. And um, those are some of the things that I, yeah, there's some other things that I, I'd like to share with you too, but we don't have much time. But um, if you can, you'd like to, for those that are listening, you can probably tap into um, Dr. Ramona Rolberg and Renee Rolwatley. They, they had an interview with me a couple of weeks ago um, on their energy medicine on, in the spotlight, and I gave them more information on this kind of stuff we were talking about, so perhaps you can listen in there. All righty. Okay. So you have written two books, Alice? Mm-hmm. So where can people get these books? Where can our listeners yes, can, find them? Yes, you can go to my website. It's yogatsu, www.yogatsu, I'll spell it, Y-O-G-A-T-S-U dot com. That's the website. Yogatsu, oh, sorry, Yogatsu Institute, all one word. Okay. Yogatsuinstitute.com. Um, I have a free monthly newsletter that I speak a lot about, like, uh, every month I have a topic like anger management or um, disappointment or joy, you know, just different things like that. Um, and that can be found, you can get attached to the newsletter on the website as well. And I'm on um, Facebook at the Yogatsu Institute. Okay. All righty. Uh, we are running out of time, and I would like to thank uh, you, Alice, so much for being on our show and talking about so many different things that are important in our life. And thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you very much. It was my pleasure, and I enjoyed myself tremendously. Good. Good, good, good. All righty. And I would like to thank Just, Justin, who is our engineer, who always makes things right, and to our executive director, which is Robert Cialino. So we leave you for now, my friends, and we'll be with you next, next week. Thank you for listening today. Transformational Healing with Dr. Bonnie Morrow is broadcast live every Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a healthy week.